Yeah. So my name's Matt, and this is my wife. We've got another boy here um, who's in the kids as well at the moment. So amazing to be here. Amazing to be here. Um, just a few, yeah, should say a few things. The first thing to say is, in case you've noticed, Alice and I have actually brought towels with us today, <laughs> which we wouldn't normally do. We've never been here before. We woke up this morning, Mother's Day. The plan was breakfast in bed, not for me, for Alice. Um, <laughs> coffee, croissants, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we woke up at a very early hour, just so the clock's changing, and also because of our kids. And we were like, what is that noise? And it was like, very, very odd noise in our house. Anyway, to cut a long story short, our boiler broke this morning. And we had, and the carbon monoxide alarm went off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, whew. thankfully we don't have a headache. But, um, yeah, so we had, like, the gas man come out, windows open, gas turned off and all sorts. So, but I had an idea, which was, oh, we're going to the hotel this morning. <laughs> they have a shower. So I rang, and the very nice lady on the reception who I spoke to on the phone was like, yeah, just come and use the shower. So, so, so. so we don't come here every Sunday. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> um, it's a real delight to be here. Um, Alice and I have not been up here. So um, for those of you that we've not met or you, you know us, us um, we're the associate pastors of the church, which means that we basically support Jen and James, who are the senior pastors. Uh, we're also um, the site pastors, the equivalent of what Ian and Sophie do here for the morning service in Cardiff Central. Um, which is the one down in uh, the gate in, in Roth. Um, so, yeah, and we would love to have come up here sooner. We've been trying to get here ever since this thing started, but um, just for various reasons we haven't been able to see. So it's such a joy, such a joy to be here. Um, it felt really special coming in, just coming into this hotel, seeing like the, it might sound silly, but just seeing like those pull-up banners in a different place. It just looks so good. It was, it was a bit spine-tingling for me, so that was great. Um, also, just I won't say this every time we come. We will come more often now. But just for the first time, I just really want to take this opportunity as well to commend Ian and Sophie to you guys. Um, yeah. So it probably if it probably doesn't need to be said, but in case you guys aren't aware, these guys are just amazing people, and um, we love them dearly. They are. We've known Ian. Believe it or not, Alice and I were young ones, and we used to lead the student ministry in the church. And Ian and Sophie were students in the church, and we remember when they were getting when they were getting together, and um, Alice was like, I think Sophie fancies Ian. <laughs> and I was like, I think Ian fancies Sophie, yeah. So, um, but yeah, we love these guys. They are the godparents to our second son, and do you know what? I was trying to think of how I could hi more highly commend them, and I realised that the best way I can put it is, Ian is a Manchester United fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. Over the years, we've watched several matches together, and no matter of the result, at the end, we've hugged, which I think is... A <laughs> That is the test of a man, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was more of a grapple. Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, we love these guys, and we're just thrilled to see what God's doing through them. So, anyway, over the last few weeks, we've been having a, a series across the church about kingdom carriers. Does that, that kind of uh, make sense? That's what we've been doing. So, um, that's what I'm going to continue today. We're looking at the, uh, the theme of being kingdom carriers, carrying the kingdom of God. It's something that's in us, wells up in us, and just spills out into our lives. And we carry that presence of God, the, the authority of God, the rule and reign of God in our lives. So that's what I'm going to be looking at today. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, so last week, I went for a run through Beat Park. I don't do this very often, don't be too impressed. But I was running last weekend, and I, I was kind of halfway down. I was quite near the, the um, if you know that area of the city, I was quite near the ambulance station. I was just going down through the, the football pitches and that bit. And as I ran, 
there was a young lady sitting on a bench, uh, and she was reading a book. Jog past at a very slow speed, I should add, so it wasn't particularly fast. Uh, and literally about five, ten steps after I'd jogged past her, I just felt God say, basically just a few things about this, about this lady. I didn't recognize her at all. And just kind of a, a word of knowledge, just like, I was like, wow, that's something there. But then I thought, but I've gone past her. What do I do? What do I do? And then I had that moment of like, do I turn around? Or am I going to share this? Is this, what is this? Um, and I didn't want to lose my momentum because I'm not the best runner. So I thought, oh, God, save your energy. But then I was thinking, right, I kind of just prayed very quickly. I was like, God, if I'm meant to share that, I'll change my route. I was going to do a different route. I was like, what I'll do is I'll loop round and uh, I'll be back here in about five, ten minutes' time. And I was like, God, if that's right, she'll still be there. This lady will be there in, in five, ten minutes' time. And um, God, give me the courage to, to speak to her and share it with her. So jogged on, did the loop, and coming back, didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't really see. And as the doctor said, I was like, oh, she is still there. And I'm thinking, oh, now I really do have to share this. <laughs> and yeah, stopped. And I had that moment of thinking, I stopped. And I said, oh, yeah, I was totally out of breath as well. So I was like, and I said to her, like, um, I'm so sorry, this might sound really strange. Nothing weird's about to happen, nothing scary's about to happen. Um, but I just said, just kind of said, look, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, and I, I believe that God speaks to us. And I'm really sorry if this sound, might, might sound totally bonkers, but I just really felt God put this on my heart. And I shared it with this lady. And uh, I didn't, uh, at that point, I didn't feel it was like appropriate to be like, can I pray for you or, or anything like that. But I just, she smiled and she said, thank you. And I said, I said, I'm going to leave you now. <laughs> I said, I'm going to run on. Um, but it, was, uh, it felt like a Holy Spirit moment. It felt like a kingdom of God moment. Carrying the kingdom. And I know that uh, I think it's something you guys have been talking about. Like we, As a church, we're talking about kingdom stories, these kingdom moments that the kingdom of God breaks in. I know that there's an email as well. If you get these kind of stories, I know that we've been sharing them over the last few weeks. Do email them in. We just love, there's so many stories at the moment. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just one personal one of mine. But... It's amazing, isn't it, as a church, as a people, we're seeing God, God move in these ways. Um, so what I want to talk about this morning is just to look at that, continue that theme. Um, what I really want to look at this morning is the power of mindset. What is the mindset of a kingdom carrier? What is the mindset of a kingdom carrier? Now, Alice and I, uh, we've moved to Cardiff about just under nine years ago now. Before we moved to Cardiff, we lived in London. We lived in Hammersmith. And both of us were working for uh, um, the same charity on, on slightly different projects. But the over kind of overarching um, mission of that charity was to connect with a huge amount of people across West London who are uh, young people, kind of aged anywhere between 14 and 24, who would be either in school or in college really struggling with behavior or with kind of attendance or uh, you know, attainment in, in education. Or they'd be in the job centers. They'd be long-term out of employment, out of training, all that kind of stuff. And we would connect with, you know, large groups of people. And we'd spend time with them. We'd do kind of life skills training with them. We'd do job readiness, all that kind of stuff. But what we learn doing that is you can do a huge amount of work with, with people in that kind of stage of life, perhaps struggling with a few things. You can kind of give them skills. You can teach them things. You can do mock interviews. You can give them mentors, all that kind of stuff. But actually, ultimately what you're really drilling into is what's their mindset. It was only, you'd only kind of start to see breakthrough in their lives, you'd only start to see change when you'd say to people, but how do you actually feel about this? 
Where are you at with this stage of life? Where are you at with your struggles? Do you want things to change? Do you feel things that can change? You know, do you feel like you're stuck here forever? And all too often what you hear back is you hear people say, do you know what, I don't, I don't need to change. Or I, don't, I want to change, but I just don't think I can, or I don't think I want to do this. I'm not sure, if, not sure what it would mean to change. Or you'd hear people say, look, I really, really want to change, but I don't, I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know how to get started. And what we just have with the power of that, which has always stayed with us, is it's when you see a mindset transformed, that's when you can begin to see a, a life transformed. If you want to see a life transformed, then s- more often than not, you don't have to see a mindset transformed. And I think it's one of the reasons today I want to look at what is our mindset is kingdom terrorists. Because if we allow God in, and we let God speak to us and change us and evolve our mindset as we come to the subject, then it will lead to transformation. That's what changes us. Not just the skills, not just the kind of tactics or the how to do it. It actually goes deeper. It's like, what's our mindset? Are we going to step into this? So the last few weeks we've had, well, start of February, Derek Morphy would have come up here, a theologian over from South Africa, and he unpacked kind of the, the general theme of the kingdom. He looked at, you know, fancy phrase, inaugurated eschatology. Do you remember that? Yeah, I only say that just to show off. I remembered it. I wrote it down. So, um, but the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom, the now and the not yet of the kingdom, the fact that there is this different reality, a totally different reality, the reality of heaven breaking in, and where we see the rule and reign of God in our lives. But we see it sometimes, but not all the time. That's the now and the not yet. So that's what Derek talked about. And then a few weeks back, I think Paul came up, and he continued uh, to look at this idea of the kingdom. He talked about authority that we've been given. He looked at the Genesis account, the creation account, and he talked about the, um, the authority, the cultural mandate that we've been given to bring life to our city, to bring life to people around us, to rewrite, see, see stories rewritten all around us. And I think he had a £10 note. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Who took the £10 note? <laughs> there were two £10 notes. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard you took it at Central. Did you take it here as well? (laughs) You're doing very well out of this church. (laughs) (laughs) I did realise if I'd been at Central, I usually sit at the front of Central, I could have beaten you to it. But I wasn't there that week. (laughs) (laughs) The race is on, Alistair. Yeah, I like that. So anyway, the £10 note, this idea of like, it's been given to us, the authority's been given to us, but will we take it? Will we take it, yeah? So that's kind of the invitation uh, to authority that Paul talked about. And then Ian last week, and it was speaking on a couple of weeks ago, sorry, about Lent. We talked about the presence of God, stepping into prayer and in greater intimacy, greater presence with God. Like, ooh, does this happen every week? Is this like a trick we have for visiting preachers? Um, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, the idea we talked about, uh, Ian talked about that Prayer is, you know, when we come to spend time with Jesus, that the, it's less about the mission, it's more about the man. Less about the power, but more about the person. And we're really captivated by Jesus, spend time in his presence. That the more pr- time we spend in his presence, the more authority we're given. So that's what we've talked about in this series already. Okay. So I basically just want to continue, looking, trying to uh, build on what's already been talked about. And what I want to do today by doing that is I want to look at the moment in Scripture where Jesus calls and commissions his disciples. There's this amazing moment. Jesus, the ultimate kingdom carrier, he says to his disciples, I want you guys to be kingdom carriers. 
He inspires them, then he briefs them, and he gives them the mandate to go and do it. And what he's doing as he does that is he's radically changing their mindset before they go. Let me just say for a moment as well before we get into that, just my own personal journey with this. Because I think it's really important for you to know that a few years ago, if we'd been talking about this as a church, I would have felt this is a real struggle for me. Because if someone said, you know, kingdom carriers, let's step out into the authority that God's given us. Let's do and do it. Everyone, everywhere, every day. I would have probably felt a bit guilty. And I think I would have felt a little bit troubled by it. And the reason being is I think probably deep down, if you'd asked me that, I probably would have given you the the proper church leader answer. Go and do it, it's all good. But actually deep down, personally, for me, I had real doubts. And I had real reservations. And part of that is I think it's because for me, I thought, that's the kind of thing that's only for certain types of people. I would have thought, oh, it's for a certain personality type or a certain church background. And I would have thought, for me, oh, no, it's, not, it's not really for me. I've got, I've got different ways of doing things. Uh, you know, uh, God gave me kind of a, almost a, a metaphor for challenging me on this. I felt like probably in the last, like I say, two or three years ago, if you'd asked me about this, my life and almost my ministry, my desire to see the kingdom of God come and to see change in people's lives around me, I would have seen it as a firework. These moments, you know, fireworks, they up they go from time to time, off they go, and they explode, but then they just fizzle out, and then it's done. So occasionally, yes, 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 it's all good, things are happening, great, and then nothing. And I think what God spoke to me about and has been speaking to me about is don't light a firework, build a bonfire. Don't light a firework, build a bonfire. That's probably the biggest change in my life over the last few years, which is that idea of actually if something's burning really powerfully, really deeply, it's really incredibly well sustained, just goes on and on and on, doesn't fizzle out. And that's kind of the, the mindset that God has spoken to me about over the last few years. Don't light a firework, build a, build a bonfire. And the big change for me, um, some of you may know that we as a church have the privilege to, we, the, the central site meets in the Gate Art Center down in Roth. About three years ago, the church was actually invited to go and manage that art center. And part of my role changed, and I've, I've been in on the, on the management of that for the last few years, uh, which has just been an absolute honor. Um, but when we arrived, I think it's fair to say that the venue was not in a good place, without going into all the, the drizzly details. Um, but it wasn't alive. In fact, it was pretty toxic. And stepping in through those doors, it became obvious to me very quickly that that place needed bringing to life, that that place needed the kingdom of God to break out in them. And it'd be easy for to walk in and think, oh, what an amazing opportunity. But within about a week, I realized it wasn't an opportunity, it was a requirement. You know, if you take the analogy of like the £10 note, it wasn't, oh, great, I can take it. It was like, you've got to take it. You've got to take it. If this place isn't brought to life, if the kingdom of God doesn't break out of this, then it's basically, it's, it's over. 
So we've gone in there, me and the team, and it's been, it's been amazing to see what God's done there. We've totally tried to revamp and, and change the culture of the place, the identity of the place, the renown of the place, its reputation, what it's known for. You know, and we, we have the joy of people come in. We have every Tuesday morning people come in. Uh, people used to, who used to come into the building once, once a year, they now come in every week. We have a lady who comes in, she's 81. She cares for her husband who's got Alzheimer's pretty much six and a half days a week. And she comes in and she says things like, I just, the gate team, they never fail to put a smile on my face. That's what she says. It's the highlight of my week. Things like that. And we're bringing life. And we tell people, you know, it's lovely to see you. We'll pray for you. You know, all that kind of stuff. We do things like, because um, it's an art centre, there's, um, there's a dressing room where artists and musicians perform. We've got a mirror where people get ready before they perform. And on that mirror, from the book of Esther, it says, you know, you were born for such a time as this. We put scripture into people's lives, whether they know whether they know, they know God or not. We're bringing that place to life. Yeah, we're rewriting the story of that venue, and we're becoming one of the key art centres in the city, which is amazing. But that's been my story. That's been my story over the last few years. I don't know what's your story this morning. Well, as we talked about this over the last few weeks, as we've talked about Kingdom Carriers, what kind of emotions? Has it evoked in you? I'm guessing for some people, your story might be a little bit like mine, which was essentially we talked about this and it, you feel a bit fearful. You feel a bit anxious. You have that kind of sense of dread. Well, what will actually happen if I step out into that authority? I'm quite happy as things are at the moment. I don't really want that. Some of us might be more along the lines of, yes, I'm up for this, but it might be a bit awkward. You really kind of treasure your friendships and you kind of treasure harmony. You don't want to kind of upset things. And you're not sure whether you want to be kind of that weird person at the school gate or at the sports club. Some of us are, are perhaps really, really keen. It's like, yes, let's go for this. Let's do it. But then you're realizing you don't actually know what to do. But you're keen. And then maybe for other, other, others of us, we've been burnt. We've done this. We actually, we've tried this before. We've stepped into the authority, and it's gone badly wrong. You've, you've prayed the prayers, and they've not been answered. You've gone out on a limb. You've put your head above the parapet. And then just when you really need him, God's not shown up. The now and the not yet. It's been the not yet. And you're thinking, oh, I don't really want this church to be talking about this. But I'll, I'll be relieved when this series is over, because I don't want that again. It's funny, actually, I'll just add this. During the worship, I also felt, perhaps prophetically, it might, I might be off on this, I also just felt there were some people in the room, and you're realizing that to be a kingdom carriers, it comes from a place of, we talked about this as a church, because we're captivated by Jesus and compelled by his love to be kingdom carriers. And I just felt, like I said, I might be wrong, there are people in the room, and you're like, I'm not captivated. I'm not captivated right now. My heart is not compelled. It's not captivated. And I just felt, if that's you this morning, it might just be one person. I just felt God whisper this morning, like, he wants to capture your heart again. And he will. He will draw close to you. Anyway, we need to look at this as a church because it's not just a tagline. It's not just a kind of visionary value. It's, it's a mandate. Let's look at, um, if you've got a Bible, 
grab it now, otherwise it will come up on the screen. So we're going to look at right at the end of chapter 9 of Matthew's Gospel, and then go into chapter 10. So the context for this, this is Jesus with his disciples. His disciples, a group of friends that he had around him, he called them from lots of different backgrounds, and they'd spent time with him, they'd heard his teaching, they witnessed his miraculous ministry. Um, they'd, yeah, they'd walked, they'd walked with him. And then he, he speaks to them. He, he calls and commissions them. So this is Matthew 9, starting at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So what we got here, we've got this amazing moment in time. Jesus calls and commissions and then sends out his disciples. It's an incredible moment where it, it shows us both his mindset and then the mindset that he inspires in his, in his disciples. Let's just quickly look through some of the different components of this. So first off, Jesus does the why. The why. Before he sends them out, <clears throat> he tells them why. Why go? So, verse 35. Sorry, chapter 9, verse 35. The brokenness. All the brokenness that he sees and all the breakthroughs that are required. He sees sickness and he sees captivity wherever he looks. He sees the kingdom of God is needed. It's needed to bring healing and it's needed to bring restoration. Verse 36. Lost. Lost people. Lostness. It says they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is filled with compassion. His heart is obviously burning. It's just, you know, it's gut-wrenching. His heart is burning for those towns and cities and villages that he visits. Verse 37, the size of the problem. It's big. It's massive. The harvest is plentiful. This is going to require a big response. It's going to have to be all in. It's going to have to be a disproportionate response. 
Jesus is basically, this is not the time saying, this is not the time to be half-baked. It's going to require all of us. Verse 38, his prayer. Jesus asks his heavenly father to provide kingdom carriers. Not the language in the Bible, but the language that we could use today. That's his prayer. His disciples becoming kingdom carriers is a direct answer to his prayer. So this is the why. This is the reason. This is the context in which Jesus sends out his disciples. He's been walking and witnessing so much brokenness. His heart is totally broken by it. And he is so stirred to see the kingdom of God break in. And nothing's changed. If Jesus was to walk the towns and villages and cities of South Wales today, if he was to do that for the last 24 hours, he would encounter it exactly the same. If he was standing in this room this morning, he would be filled with the same compassion. He would give us the same why. So this is our heart. This is the heart Jesus gives us as a church, as a people, as we step out as kingdom carriers. So that's the why. Secondly, there's the call. There's the instructions. Jesus makes it really clear. Leaves them in no doubt. Chapter 10, verse 1. Authority is given. The authority is given. That's the £10 note, if you like. It's given. There's no caveats. No disclaimers, there's no provisors on it. Jesus isn't saying, do you know what? You can go and do this, go and pray for legs. Go and pray for legs to be you know, lengthened. But actually, if you come across any blind eyes or impure spirits, leave that bit to me. That's the complex stuff. No, none of that. It's saying all of it. There's no time limit. On it. It's not like he's saying, like, you can go out for the next 48 hours. You've got the power. Go and do stuff for 48 hours and then come back and then it will run out. None of that. It's all authority over absolutely everything, every situation, all the time. Verse 2. Absolutely everyone gets to play. The list of disciples smashes out of the water that there's this notion there's a prototype kingdom carrier. It's not just a certain personality type. There's no requisite level of experience. The list of disciples is a fisherman through to a tax collector through to a political revolutionary. In today's terms, that might be from a white van driver through to an administrator through to an internet blogger. I'm afraid to say that the call to be a kingdom carrier is uncomfortably wide. Everyone is eligible. It's, it's, It's difficult to prove your ineligibility. Sorry about that. And that's what we see. That's what we see. And obviously, really important to say, like later in the Bible, um, really important, just in case you're thinking this, like, but where are the women? Clearly, throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, we see amazing examples of women totally empowered to do all this stuff as well. Not in this moment, but take, for example, we'll go look at it later in the series, I'm sure, in the book of Acts. Just incredible in the early church. Men and women. Men and women. Very important point. Number three. So, sorry, we've done the why. And we've done the call. Number three, the brief. What are you actually being asked to do? Verse seven and eight. Go and announce and demonstrate the kingdom. Tell people the good news. Tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Tell them it has come near. Tell them that the rule and reign of God is breaking in. Tell them that there is a different glorious reality. And then don't just tell them, demonstrate it. Pray for people, for healing, for freedom, for lives to be changed, for stories to be rewritten. Don't just say it. Go and show it. Quickly, number four. There is the wow. He challenges and inspires their mindset by just showing them the magnitude of it. Verse 8. Basically what he's saying is, this isn't going to be normal. This is going to totally rewrite, reimagine your thinking. To be a kingdom carrier, he's saying, is to usher in the extraordinary. So he talks about leprosy. He's basically saying, you're going to go and do the unthinkable. You will go and touch people that no one else will touch. It's absolutely unthinkable. He talks about sickness. He's saying, you will help people that are beyond human and medical help. So you will do the supernatural. He talks about the resurrection. It's miraculous. You will see the audacious. You will see the impossible. So he changes their mindset by totally reimagining what's possible. And that they'll be not just be part of it, they will bring it. And then finally at the end, the why. He goes back to the why, like all great leaders do. He starts with the why, and then he finishes with the why. He reminds them again. Verse 8. Freely you have received, so freely give. As he sends them out, he says to them, you follow a God who has poured himself out for you. Poured himself out. That's the God that you follow. At that point, the disciples didn't know that Jesus would go to the cross and pour himself out. He's saying that the mindset of a kingdom carrier is someone who is willing just to pour themselves out. At the heart of the mindset of a kingdom carrier is not someone who does it for their own agenda, but someone who's willing to lay down their own agenda for the lives of others. Need to finish. Um, I'll finish with this. When I was uh, when I was uh, um, at college, I used to. In fact, a few of them in the room with me. I used to play basketball. I still play basketball a bit now. Very, very poorly. I run slowly, I play basketball poorly. You get the overall picture. But um, when I was at college, we, my basketball team was pretty decent. We were in the um, semi-finals of the National Cup. Big semi-final. We hadn't lost a match all year. And uh, it was about, there was about four minutes to go in this match. And, sorry, and eyes on the prize. If we won the match, we got to play the final the start of a UK international at the National Arena in Sheffield. So it would have been a big deal. We were looking forward to it. 16 points up, four minutes to go. You th it's going well. We're on track. And then things start to go wrong. And you can probably tell where this is leading. And it still hurts me to this day. <laughs> it all went wrong. The other team mounted comeback. We actually lost by three points. And the minibus on the way home, absolute dejection. We chucked it away. And when that team started to make that comeback, on the court, me and my four teammates, if you know anything about basketball, you'll know it's, a, it's lots of movement, lots of passing. The ball travels faster than the person. That's what a good coach will tell you. But when we were playing that game and as it all started to fall apart, Two things happened. We all stopped moving, and as soon as the ball came anywhere near us, don't want it, don't want it, get rid of it. No one wanted it. We all 
totally abdicated responsibility, myself included. We didn't want it. We shirked it. And what happened? We missed out. We missed out. We'd been given the authority, our coach, we'd been well-trained, we knew exactly what to do, we'd spent hours and hours on the practice court. The coach had given us the authority to go and do it, we were on the court, he trusted us to do it, and yet when the crunch came, we just shirked it. And I will regret that. We all did. My point is, as a church, and as a people, and wherever you're at this morning with this stuff, let's not be like that basketball team. Let's not be like my basketball team. Let's not kind of just meander through and pass it on. If God's given us this mandate, given us this authority, let's step into that mindset of, of doing the things he's taught us to do, to go and announce and demonstrate the kingdom. Shall we stand?